0: and welcome back to two bar stools and a knife discussing the industry then now and tomorrow i'm professor nathan dodge along with professor brian connors and chef john noble massey and i feel like a every time i do it like that but i love saying it like that oh it's it's official i like it it is it is so uh please remember everyone listening out in podcast land we are everywhere you find podcasts and also if you're not on our facebook site two bar stools and a knife, please do so. We have jumped up to about 300 followers and we're really excited about that. We're putting up special content up there. So, so check out our Facebook page. Great show today. As always, we're changing our interview today as we have every day for the last eight weeks. We're up to eight weeks now. Um, I know, I know. It feels like just yesterday we we got stuck in our house. Yesterday time's 800 million days ago
1: no actually oh. we were stuck at your dining room table is where this all came from i
2: think i think so
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah that is that yeah and we remember what it was originally called was bar talk we called it that for two seconds, seconds. yeah, yeah. For two seconds but we're, we're really excited to have um libby here today she's going to talk about a different segment of the hospitality industry that some people right might not think about but it's really cool we're thrilled to have her today so as always, um, we're going to start with Brian, talk about the updates about the Bacardi Center of Excellence, talk about what else is going on with uh, in Bacardi land. So hey, Brian, what's going on?
1: Good morning. Good morning, everybody. And of course, happy birthday, Nathan
0: Dodge. You yeah, look thank, good. You. Birthday. thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yes. You look good for 52. Please, is it 54? I, you know, I, I it's know. something like that. I don't know. I, it's, I'm old.
1: Well, you know, we, we just signed a call with Rocco Angelo, and man, that man looks younger every time I talk to him. So,
0: uh, so let's talk a little
1: bit about uh, the Bacardi Center of Excellence. Thank you, guys. We're looking forward to our conversation with Libby. Wow, we've got a lot going on per usual, and better yet, we've gotten a lot done. Uh, We launched Bacardi Teach on May 15th. We've now had in the hundreds of people that have now taken part in our modules. So feel free to check out Bacardi Teach at uh, BacardiTeach.com or BacardiTeach.fiu.edu. And all the modules now, of course, to support the hospitality relief effort. Uh, So that's all good stuff on that one. Other new stuff coming up in the Bacardi world. We're actually going to be launching Bacardi Talks next week. Yes, all things Bacardi, as Professor Dodd said, but next week's going to be our first of a regular ton of talk series. And we're going to be joined, great lineup, I mean, really fantastic, uh, with our partners from Bacardi HQ. So Pete Carr is going to be joining us, the regional president of Bacardi USA. Ryan Bimbo is going to be also joining us. He is the vice president of human resources and Heidi Vargas, uh, the vice president of on-premise. I know them all. I have the opportunity to work with them all. We're going to have some great conversations. Uh, so that invite and all that information is going to be going out. Uh, so by the time you're listening to this, it'll already be available. So hopefully, you have an opportunity to check it out and tell your friends. Everyone is welcome. There'll be a registration form. Some classes will be invited, but uh, as well as Bacardi partners. So we're really, really looking forward to that. Last but not least, on uh, the Bacardi Spirits track. Courses are still filling up nicely. Uh, we'd like to see a little bit more on our Bacardi, uh, excuse me, our beverage entrepreneurship. And I know Professor Dodge and I are working on that now. But if you have any questions regarding any of those courses, please feel free to reach out to your advisor uh, and they'll be able to answer the questions or any one of us uh, that will be facilitating the courses will gladly answer those questions for you. What am I missing, guys? Anything in the Bacardi world? I think that's about it. Um, yeah, a lot going yeah. on, though. A lot of good a lot stuff. lot going
0: on. A lot, of, yeah, a lot too ago. much stuff. But we're keeping busy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think, Brian, one of the things we were talking about, too, with Rocco was that July 1st date for the online alumni reception. So we want to make sure that all our listeners are holding that date. We'll be sending more information out about that online alumni reception July 1st from 5 to 6 p.m. in the future. So just mark that on the calendars for now
0: going I hear yeah. really cool stuff with uh, maybe tastings or something like that. So I'm, uh, is that what I heard?
1: Johnny, what are you going to be doing for the uh, alumni reception?
2: I, I'm going to be cooking, and then we're going to have one of our past guests make a cocktail. And we'll be doing them side by side, a little interaction, a little uh, food and cocktail pairing, which sounds good. And... You know, I am going to encourage him to use some of these delicious summer fruits that we've been having uh, available of late. You know, summer super hot, but great berries and peaches out there are available. So well, I see a mango, see
0: mango making an appearance because I, I see a lot of mangoes outside. I'll tell you
2: that. Did you uh, follow Chef Susser's recommendation for his mango? Uh, Mojito. Pastos?
0: Yeah. I, I had some mangoes soaking in rum right now, so I'm pretty. Uh, I'm going to be enjoying a mango cocktail soon. But yeah, so Chef Allen was on what three weeks? Ago? I don't even know. Three weeks ago, I think, talking about mangoes and uh, the, the mangoes are everywhere. I, I drive by and I see mango trees all all aflutter. So if you like a mango, it's great. If you're allergic to mangoes, it's kind of like you're you're in trouble around here. But <laughs> yeah. mangoes are uh, plentiful.
1: All right, let's get to our guest. I'm looking forward to this.
2: Excellent. Well, it is our pleasure to have the award-winning uh, oh. Libby Avoljis, professional freelance photographer, uh, primarily, I think, in in food and beverages and restaurant world. Please welcome Libby, guys.
3: Thank you, guys. Yay! Yay. It's funny. I actually never really liked the phrase freelance photographer. I always. Myself, a business owner versus freelance. Ah, oh, okay. Freelance. I thought of someone who was just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring, and that is pretty much the opposite of who I am. So, um, I I think that can be on us to go find the work out there, no matter what we're doing. So, although there's not a lot of that these days. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, that, that's an excellent approach. When we talk about building sales in some of our restaurant class and. And catering in particular, we always talk about being, whether are you an order taker and waiting for calls to come in or where you're going out and actively uh, soliciting business. So love yeah. that approach. And, and I think that's a lot more positive. And yeah. So so what you've been up to in this, all all, all this craziness, just uh, how are you and Adam and, uh, you know, the new addition to your family, Tallulah, how is it, things on a personal level?
3: We should emphasize the new addition to the family has four feet and a tail. <laughs>
2: that's that's true.
3: (laughs) Um, You know, it's interesting from a creative point of view, being very real and vulnerable. The first six weeks, I didn't pick up a camera. Um, I didn't want to shoot. I was really angry and I still am a little bit angry, Um, but it was it was hard on me. I I I felt betrayed by my career that I couldn't work in it. And I absolutely love what I do. I just get the most mm-hmm. amount of joy 20 years later in my career and, and taking pictures of food and taking pictures of drinks. So I was pretty devastated. I was pretty upset about everything. So I, I, I call it the rage renovation. I rage renovated mm-hmm. my dining room. Um, I painted and repainted that area about six different times. I had about 20, no less than 20 different shades of gray on my house. Ha- out in my on my walls, it's like Mr. Gray Light, you know. Before he went to I
0: saw that movie,
3: I had 20, <laughs> it's like the pink handcuffs era. That's what oh. I consider it. <laughs> but I finally, as you can see, you can see behind me, you can see I finally have. Yes. Grays. um so I did, you know, cleaned out the I did what everyone did I cleaned out the closets, you know, I, mm-hmm. I slept a lot, I threw myself on the floor a lot and dramatically. Um, And then there's kind of a switch that happened. I deactivated my Facebook account and picked up my camera again within two days of each other. It was a very strong correlation. And then I started creating again. And since then, I've been working a lot on my lighting techniques. Um, I've been doing different artistic series every day. So the first day I called it the Rubbish Bin series, where I just did macro shots of things I found at the bottom of my refrigerator. Shots... um, (laughs) beautiful lighting. And then I've been working a lot on precision lighting. I'm getting really good at like photographing bottles. So that's, that's a different kind of precision than what I do on the day-to-day when I'm working in restaurants and photographing cocktails. You know, when you have four hours to spend photographing a really challenging whiskey bottle, what can you come up with? It's very, very different than what I normally do. But also it's important to know how to do that. If you get a client that has a whiskey line, you know, to, to be able to Say, hey, I can do this too. So uh, working on lighting, I'm I'm kind of going back to school in a lot of ways. I'm watching a lot of videos and trying to learn some really complicated lighting and Photoshop. And um, I guess I'm using this opportunity to kind of grow my skill set, but I'm also enjoying it. If there's one day where I wasn't enjoying it, I just put the camera aside and you know, I was like, that's it for the day. So it's kind of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm still a little upset. I'm very worried. I'm not going to lie about that. I, I don't know what the next 12 to 18 months looks like for the restaurant sure. industry. You know, I, I I think about it way too much, but um, it's good to be working at least. It's good to be expanding your skill set.
2: Our president was on a call with us the other day, and he's re- reminding us of patience and positivity, uh, among other things. And we're trying to have that outlook ourselves and also to teach that to our students. Um, so, uh, appreciate you sharing that, you know, we're, I mean, what do you think, uh, the, the business, you know, if, if you crystal ball it and what, what do you think how things will change and, and what differences we might see moving forward?
3: You know, there are breadcrumbs of clues that I think we're all trying to gather from. I was reading about the transition from Noma to a more fast, casual place. So, you know, do we take from that? And do we glean that like, you know, high dining, you know, is is on hold for a little while? I don't know. Um, that's a breadcrumb for sure. But, you know, then I had a friend who went out to Palm Beach this weekend and he said the restaurants were absolutely packed. So as Palm Beach, mm-hmm. this bubble of, you know, not being affected. I, I don't know. We, Palm Beach in South Florida operates in a different way than the rest of the world. You know, we have so much money down here that maybe, I don't know, maybe Palm Beach doesn't have the ability to make that transition. So maybe they are exempt in certain ways. I, that's something I'm curious about. I think that people will have gotten used to doing carryout and comfortable with carryout. So I think that's going to have to be a part of the program. And, you know, definitely the transition from, you know, fine plating in a restaurant to, well, what, what can you carry home and reheat a little bit later and not worry about presentation nearly as much, but worry about taste. Oh, Um, and you still
0: want to present your styrofoam container to look, appetizing when you get at home. So there is, there's is both sides of that. And yeah, I All get right. it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, I think for, you know, maybe there's two menus. Maybe there's the the dine-in restaurant and then the carry-out menu. And maybe the emphasis is more for presentation on the dine-in. And maybe the carry-out is more about what's going to taste really good when you reheat an hour later. Maybe that's something that's going to happen. I I don't know that. I mean, none of us know at all. Um, I remember reading this story from New York. The New Yorker has just been killing it with their food writing. My favorite food writer is out from the New Yorker, Helen Rosen. And actually this wasn't her. This is another story I was reading about. And they were talking about like one of the, the kiosks that was closing from New York city and it was an oatmeal bar and they'd applied oh. for PPP and I don't think they had gotten it. And I was reading about that going, maybe the era of oatmeal bars is over for a little while. You know, it was literally like a place that you went in and you got, you know, oatmeal with all these amazing toppings and this commuter, you know, this fast paced lifestyle, you'd go in and you'd get, you know, this really luxury oatmeal, you know, $20 a bowl and everything. And like, how do you make that post COVID? That's really, really challenging to do. Things have been so good with our economy for so long. And I think most of us understand that what goes up comes down, that it's just yeah. basic economics. So the question is is how it's gonna kind of settle on on the on the flip side. And I, I think there is gonna be a settling for businesses. I, I as much as I want to be super positive about everything, I don't think everyone who is here right now is gonna be here in, you know, eight months or a year.
2: I was but, gonna say Libby, one of the things that we found is is the restaurants that were doing takeout and delivery and had active programs and actually thought about some of the things where Nathan mentioned the styrofoam containers well if you're putting your food in a maybe it's a sustainable packaging or it's recyclable or it's a a nicer looking and you've geared your menu or at least the to-go menu towards foods that can hold really well and look attractive then those are the places that are going to be more successful moving forward
3: yeah I think that's absolutely true I think the I mean the sustainability was popular before. It's It would be great to focus on that right now amidst all of this facial masks and the gloves that are being used by everyone in the world right now to at least try and counteract the environmental impact of what we're facing with that. You know, I think the word that everyone is using is pivot. How can we pivot during this time? And I think to go is the number one way to pivot. And I've, you know, also you get into the cocktails to go. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a way to pivot as well for everyone. So that's, that's been good. And I also have been seeing a lot of, uh, restaurants kind of operate as bodegas too. And that's, that's really outside the box thinking. So what else can groceries, what else can restaurants do besides offer food and, you know, I I think that sort of thing might help people to have long-term sustainability
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the first guests that I I think it was, was it the first guest we had on with the Miracle uh, Ice? And it was a gourmet ice manufacturer that started.
0: Rico Farms and um, Mixology Ice. Mixology Ice.
2: Mixology Ice, not Miracle Ice. Okay, well. Yeah. Uh, miracle on the ice. Right? That's so, 1980
1: uh, US that's, Olympics. I, you, know, you know, I'm thinking, you're, you're dating yourself there, John. I, and I, no I, one I else
0: am. That's the on ice, me. right?
3: The really beautiful cocktail ice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous stuff. It's all super clear. And then they add flowers to it. And yeah, they make them pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to ask a question about these to-go spirits. Now, I remember trying to walk out of a bar before with a glass in my hand, like, no, 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 you can't leave with a drink in your hand. And now (laughs) it's, hey, do you want a half gallon of booze to take home? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, heck yeah. So has anyone done one of these yet? (laughs) That they frown on. That I have heard that BSO is not uh, happy with. But um, I know that our – What's the Tiki Bar in Fort Lauderdale? The Mai Kai. They're doing, like, to-go um, Mai Tais and, and all sorts of cocktails. Have you done any of these things yet?
3: I, I think we're all wondering about that. Actually, I, I uh, <clears throat> the first weekend, like, I got to go spirits from someplace, and my husband was like, so it's legal to drink while you're driving now? And he's like, I just want to understand how the rules are changing.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> – I don't really know. I don't know how it's all going down. You know, murders are down, you know, so that's good.
0: I was in New Orleans like 15, God, it might have been 20 years ago now. And I remember going through a drive-through bar and I picked up a half gallon of, Hurricane, Hurricane, yeah, Yeah. and it was it was ridiculous. I'm driving away, and the guy is in the passenger seat drinking this half gallon of hurricane. It's like this would never, ever, ever happen in South Florida, and here it is. And you know, it's a beautiful day in South Florida when you can pick up a half gallon hurricane. Well, we've been
1: we've been doing it with margaritas. So my beautiful fiance loves to have margaritas. So they have liter bottles at some of the cantinas here in Fort Lauderdale where I live, Rocco's Tacos and. El Camino, and what they've been doing really, really well, gang, is they've been packaging it very smartly. So they're bringing in bottles, they're you know using a crown top on it, they're creating labels. Mm -hmm. They have these different flavors, and I think you know I'm glad you brought it up, Libby, because I think refillable, refillable, yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, Um, But uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant because people are getting really creative with packaging and how they're able to get that overall cocktail experience to the guest. You know where. You know, we can sack deck and sit on and so forth, and enjoy and have that cocktail experience. So I'm a I'm a big fan of it, but I agree with you. You know, what are you supposed to do when you have a styrofoam cup with a straw in it in your center console of your vehicle, and you have to wait till you get home? Um, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, so you know, we have to be that's responsible tough. about what we do, but it is tough though.
3: Yes. I um, I went to school in Missouri, uh, University of Missouri at Columbia, and they had these drive-through places. That the law was like you could order, even the driver could order these alcoholic drinks in the council. You couldn't put your straw in it. I think that was the law. I mean it was <laughs> it was hilarious, like just skirting the line. Of uh,
2: yeah. I, 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 think that, I think they encouraged the drinking where, wherever and whenever you can in New Orleans, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. New Orleans is, is pretty much, there's no laws about drinking. No rules, no laws. I I had a friend get drunk, fell off a two story balcony, landed on a police officer on a horse and didn't go to jail. So you can tell that that is, you can really drink a lot. And,
2: uh, Oh, see, I, I thought you were talking about, you know, you always have that friend that you're asking, you know? Yeah. Oh no, this is a real gentleman. Okay. Here's okay. He has a name. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey gang, let me get a little a uh, little technical here uh, because I was writing down notes when I was listening to Libby. And if you don't mind, I love mm-hmm. picking professionals' brains like this one. And you know, we're going to spend a lot of time. We already have talking about you know the Brian's comeback. the nerd of the group, yeah, very much so. But the the comeback of our industry and John and I both teach restaurant management. I always teach our students that you know every guest is now a restaurant critic uh, in the palm of their hand. In other words, using their phone. A, how do you feel about you know the Instagram takeover of food porn, you know, and that you have people that no, 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 don't take a bite of that. Let me take a picture of it first. And I want to stab them. Uh, But how do you feel about that compared to what you do? And then how do we then combine it? You know, I know this is kind of a long winded question, but like, where, you know, how does the operator uh, use that to kind of promote their business on whatever social media outlet?
3: Well, John knows this. When we go out to dinner, I'm probably the only one not taking pictures, <laughs> so mm, yeah. I stand it. I, you know, I I find it so disrespectful for the chef. I find it extraordinarily disrespectful to your other dining companions. Um, I can't stand fl- the iPhone flash photography in the restaurant. I can't stand the little flashlight that goes on, and suddenly you have people holding flashes for the other people to get the perfect. I mean, I think it's just. Bastardize the dining experience in general. Are you there to take pictures? Are you there to actually enjoy your meal? Um, So I absolutely hate what it has done to the dining experience. Um, You know, that being said, it has at the same time provided a lot amount of publicity and content to the restaurants, and it's definitely helped to promote the restaurants. And the restaurants are getting you know creative with their ability to harness that energy. I don't think most of those terrible photos people are taking in restaurants at the expense of their other diners and at the expense of their food, you know, of their enjoyment of what they're supposedly there for, are yielding pictures that are really enjoyable or convincing other people to come in and eat. You know, I think, God forbid, the blogger brunches that restaurants are getting smart about, you know, those yield good content. You know, they do them blogger brunches, you know, they do them during the day. So there's actual lighting for them. You know, nobody takes good pictures over candlelight. And then, you know, they're they're not ruining anyone else's meal. You know, you put a table of 10 bloggers by themselves outside and then, you know, they just feed themselves and entertain themselves. (laughs) everyone else's meal and then you have all you know you invite them knowing you're going to get all their pictures and then they you know post all their photos for their echo chamber of you know everyone else and they're uh, they have good numbers of everything and that's great and so that's that's a great way to harness their numbers and their enthusiasm and their energy and that's that's a great way to use it um i i think they're taking pictures in the evening i really do think it's it is a negative for the experience of dining. And I think it kind of leads to the question of, are you there to eat? Or are you there to take pictures for your Instagram? I don't know what you do then.
1: <laughs> no. no, that's a are good point. Mean- I, you know, I love that idea of the brunch bloggers and, you know, cause you do have to, you have to embrace it to a certain level. Uh, you know, Danielle Ballou at uh, Cafe Ballou and other places up in New York city back in the day. I'm not sure what he does now banned people from taking or suggest that they didn't because it was, you're absolutely correct because you should be there for the experience and the guests you're with, you know what I mean? And not yeah. be worried about, you know, who's going to take the next bike. Hey Libby, what's easier food or cocktails for photography reasons?
3: I'm pausing with that question because it's, it's an interesting question. I've never actually thought about it in that way. I would probably say food photography because absolute beginners can have more success with food photography than with cocktails.
1: So uh-huh. it, if- Ah, very interesting.
3: Yeah, because you can take food over to a window and put it by a window with natural light and have natural light coming in and you can get some nice shots. Like think about if you took like a plate of like fresh beets with the top still on, you could put it on a beautiful plate and you could take it next to a window and let the window light coming in from the side or the back and just hold your iPhone over that and you could get a beautiful picture. But if you had a picture of a cocktail and you did the same thing with your iPhone. You won't get anything special. So yeah, I'm going to go with food. You you will yeah. have more luck as a beginner.
0: Very cool. Now, as W. C. Field says, "Never work with children or animals." So you you've completely broken away from children, and animals, just the food, just the drink. So <laughs> it makes us question why we work with you, Dodge. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I'm both.
2: <laughs> so, 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 Libby, what that that kind of um, leads me Brian's question kind of leads me to the question when you go and approach uh, some of the professionals, I mean, I see a, a huge difference in the quality and the standards for your photography over, you know, someone's iPhone or, or these bloggers and you know, half of them don't know what they're doing, but what is the benefit that you try to drive home to, to, a restaurant, a chef that professional photography can bring?
3: My benefit, my biggest benefit is helping a restaurant to launch. Um, so bringing me in before a restaurant opens, help having me to do um, beautiful architecture, interior photography, do their menu, food, drinks, portraits, all of that for their website and for public relations purposes, because you can have, you know, you can do a blogger's brunch and you can have, you know, someone who is good with their iPhone to do that quote unquote, like burger porn or like acorn and everything. And you can get some nice images for content. There's a lot of content creators. I am not a quote unquote content creator. I'm a professional photographer who's going to capture these images that are going to be suitable for the magazine that are going to run on the homepage of your website, do all of these things, you know, a lot of these, you know, burger, the, the egg drop, egg porn pictures, all of that stuff that are really Instagrammable and they're beautiful photos. They're not necessarily what magazines are looking for with that high level of art. And it's not, I'm not meaning that in any sort of a disparaging way. I, you know, that Instagrammable style is a style totally unique and it's a very special style of photography. It's just not what I do. And it's, it's interesting. I'm just going to tie what you said back to the pandemic, because when my husband and I started talking about how the pandemic was going to affect my business, the first thing we both said is I am not essential. You know, the chef is essential. You know, having a sous chef is essential. Having someone to manage all of the, the takeout orders, those are essential. Restaurants got super lean. They laid off a lot of employees. They're starting to bring some of them back. I am going to be one of the last brought back. I am not essential, and I am the very first person to admit that. You can hand an iPhone to any one of those people I just mentioned, and you can get some content for social media. And I would not spend money on myself right now. I, I probably shouldn't even mention that on a podcast, but you know, John, you know I am always yeah. on chefs i am not the person yeah. out there saying hire me at the detriment of a restaurant i am not that person i'm not that marketer who's going to tell you you should spend money on me i'm a really smart investment when you know it's it, if i'm worried about your restaurant and i'm your best friend i i hope i'm a smart investment i want to help you differentiate yourself but i'm also not the most essential person on the team i am really good at helping you differentiate yourself from the competition I'm yeah. fabulous at that. Like, I will help you stand out. I will help you get press. If, if a magazine is sitting there thinking about three different pictures for an opening spread, and I'm one of the considerations, I'm pretty sure we're going to be chosen every single time. Um, sure. But I, I don't have, you know, photography. And this is what is interesting about food photography, is that you're going to be competing against free every single day. Almost, you know, all of my clients choose... The, me being worth the investment, I'm grateful for that. And I've never had someone say that they regret that investment that they made. But, you know, that's also one of the reasons that I'm really spending this time getting really sharp in my bottle photography, you know, as, yeah. as, you know, Brian will tell you, I don't think the liquor sales have gone down during this time with Bacardi. Nope. So
1: no, nah, no, nope. nah, you know, and Dodge that's did a great exactly. job of keeping the sales up. So thank you, Nathan, for supporting. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. We you're appreciate welcome. his
0: support. can. I do. I can.
1: You know, let me dovetail off what you're saying there, Libby, because I just got really inspired. I kind of disagree with you because I think that the value you bring moving forward will, and this is going to get a little weird here, but go with me here, guys, is going Mm -hmm. to build trust. And by building trust is going to actually have a positive impact on the businesses. And, you know, I'll open this up to everybody. I had a question recently. Somebody was interviewing me for something. And they asked about, you know, who's going to be, you know, we've been talking about this, who's going to survive. And I said, well, most of the national chains will do fine. In other words, guests will feel very comfortable to go to the Olive Garden, the original OG, uh, because they trust it. Mm -hmm. But I think where the value of your services and really kind of creating that experience in their imagination will build trust. And then they'll be able to kind of go back and say, oh, I do want to go check out that place. So, I, I think you kind of are essential. You know what I mean? It's going to be kind of cool. But what, what do you guys think? Are, the, uh, are these little guys going to survive or is it going to be uh, the big, bad corporate guys, uh, which I don't have a problem with?
0: Well, the corporate guys have money. The corporate guys still exactly, have big yeah. pockets and they can, they can weather the storm. Um, the, the little guys who, you know, they're, they're paying to put their kids in private school and, and soccer and, and everything else, you know, that stuff, that, that money is is gone. Um, they haven't been able to have that money. So uh, any way that we can keep those little guys in business, those are my favorite places to go to when I go down downtown Hollywood or downtown Fort Lauderdale, yeah. little guys. Cause I, I get that personal service where they know who I am. They know what I like. They know what drinks I like, which you don't get at, at the, the OG or yeah. Carrabba's or any of those places where they don't know who
3: like South Florida is incredibly committed to its dining scene. you know we we are so into our local restaurants and our local spots. And you know, I, I think it'd be incredibly optimistic to think every local restaurant is going to survive, but I think many of them will. I, I don't know the numbers, but I, what do you think, John?
2: I mean, I think for for us in particular, because we're supporting through the FIU Hospitality Fund, we've, we've uh, contributed more than $1.5 million to local restaurants. None of those are chains. We're trying to do our part both uh, from a financial support perspective, from an educational support perspective. For me personally, we've been trying to reach out to dine and use more local restaurants. So I'll refer back to my original comment, which is I think there will be some attrition, but the ones that are doing really well, hopefully your favorite ramen place, hopefully your favorite pizza place, those are all local places. And hopefully you support them. They will, they will survive through this. You know, and, and, and Libby, what you, what you were talking about with, with your essential, non-essential piece of your business, I kind of agree with Brian as well. It's a matter of standards, and I liken it to ingredients you know, refer back to my kitchen experience. And if you want to use Parmigiano Reggiano, the best cheese in in making a pasta carbonara, that is the best. And it and it's significantly different than if you use craft in the green jar, right? That's pre-shredded, has all of those preservatives in it. So that's not even cheese. To, yeah. It's not even <laughs> cheese, right? It's half starch or preservatives. And so if someone wants to differentiate themselves, they I would encourage them to, to use a professional photographer and encourage them to use yourself.
3: It does, I mean, the only thing is that like what I actually had to inquiries for new shoots yesterday with clients that weren't even client, like people that weren't even clients. And I was sitting there kind of scratching my head. I'm like, what is going on? Like, we're, do you know we're in the middle of a pandemic? Like, I don't understand. Like, I just didn't understand. And the only thing I could come up with is that everything is going on social media and yeah. they need to stand out. Like, like maybe their social media, like maybe they have been giving their iPhone, you know, their, their Instagram to, you know, a hostess or someone or and it hasn't stood out. And now everyone's doing takeout and it's just not, you know, everything looks the same or, you know, that's the only thing I could come up with. I don't know.
0: So, yeah. guys, we just opened up in South Florida this week. We were able to go out to dinner if you wanted to. H- have the three of you, have you guys been out to dinner yet? Nope. You gone to a restaurant? Not yet. Not Yeah, me neither. No. Is, what's, what's the first place you're going to go to just to go back out and, and actually sit down at a restaurant and get service? What's your first, where are you going? Ladies first. Yeah.
3: Um, I will probably go to Staj. My good friend, Chef Pushkar Marath opened up right like a month before the pandemic. <laughs> Beach Gardens, yeah. Um, this amazing global restaurant. Um, and so we've, we've done takeout from his place a few times and he's just a fabulous chef and I I can't wait to just you know see see the staff I can't wait to see the staff and sit with them and they've got a out, nice outdoor area but we've also been doing takeout every Friday night um, from our local little like they have done I just want to jump in there they've done like breakfast and lunch aioli they've done breakfast and lunch and then they pivoted really really fast to do dinner takeout and so every Friday night they do like Just, uh, pizza and it's been amazing. And John, I can eat it without migraines. So yeah, the us, is to go and get our Friday night pizza and see the staff. And like you were saying, uh, I think it was Nathan, like it's about, it's about the restaurant that knows you. It's not about the chain. It's about the restaurant that like, you literally love the staff and you know everyone there. And like you walk in and the whole restaurant lights up to see your face. Like that's, that's the place that you, you know, that your heart is. So.
1: That's hospitality, baby. I love that stuff. The uh, We have a little corner bistro um, called Hardy park here up in Fort Lauderdale that's just uh, probably one of the closest restaurants to our house and we're very much debating but me being a hospitality professional I kind of want to let the dust settle a little bit uh, before I start going out on a regular basis uh, just to kind of you know you're going to have all those people that must go out but you know I think they should be practicing social distancing and all the things we've been seeing on the news but I'm right with you on that one everybody supporting the, the local guy uh, our good friends at Temple Street Eatery, and there at some know. point in time, I, I got to head back to Anthony's Runway. I don't know about you,
2: Dodgy, but you know I
0: love oh, that place. I love that I place. got Fernette on tap. Mm. <laughs> oh,
2: really? Oh, <Okay>. god. Oh, yeah. <laughs> home sweet home for both of you. Exactly. Uh, for what, for me, I, I for me, I love my. Well, I've been doing the same thing as, as 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 Libby and Adam with the 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 takeout. I get my my ramen from Nori Thai and Boca. I get my pizza from Tucci's. Uh, one of the two places that I would go to would either be uh, Cindy and Jeremy uh, Bierman up at Oceano Kitchen in Lake Worth, oh,
3: yeah. who
2: are just who are just awesome people, sure. and small little place, Farm the Table, or uh, Joey Giannuzzi's Farmers Table in Boca, who's trying to get things right. They they're, they're just two two restaurants that really healthy food, fresh, delicious do that do business the right way. And we'd love to see them, you know, out.
0: Mom and dad have been wanting to go out to a um, yacht bar and kitchen up in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I think that's the place we're going to go. It's right on the new river. It's um, it's outside. They've got a lot of outside seating. They've got inside seating too, but the outside seating is huge. Um, and I think that, it's got enough space outside. So social distancing is easy. They've got a great bar menu. They've got great drinks. And maybe if, uh, if it stops raining, cause it's been raining every day, it would be really nice to go out there, but, uh, go out, go on the boat and, and head on over to a yacht. I don't know if it's pronounced yacht or yote, but it's Y-O-T. Yot, or yot. Y-O-T. Yeah, Is it yacht? I think it's yacht. Um, it's spelled Y-O-T. It's right in Fort Lauderdale. It's awesome.
3: I had a photo shoot there in December for a magazine. It's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Gorgeous there.
3: Yeah. you have, like, the ocean breezes, too. I mean, I I would be very comfortable there, especially with the breezes.
0: Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. And it is close to my house, too. Look at that. It is. It is. See, look at that.
3: These are so great restaurants. Temple Street Eatery, Hardy Park. Man, you guys have great choices. We are two
0: uh, bar stools and a shop, so we should have good taste. Uh, Temple Street, I know, is still doing takeout only, and I think that's just because inside is so small, um, and they want to be safe. They, they want to make sure that everybody is safe and healthy, so they're doing the right thing.
3: I don't know if you're hearing the same thing, but what I keep hearing from restaurant owners is they just want to protect their staff. That's the most important thing to them, and I really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, got to respect that. Listen, as, uh, Libby, as we're kind of winding things down, any uh, tips for the novice uh, iPhone, uh, Android users out there, the students that are, you know, just trying to get better pictures?
3: Sure. Um, number one, turn their flash off, take their food off the line if they're working on a line. <laughs> Um, put their food next to a window. I think I mentioned that earlier. You can get really, really beautiful photos by just taking whatever you're shooting next to a window and try and get that beautiful window light coming in. So you want to have kind of diffused light. You can open the window. You can kind of play around with the blinds. My personal favorite is kind of using side light coming in. So that means, you know, your plate of food is next, is this, the window light is on the side, but also it's really beautiful to have backlight. So that would have the plate between you and the window. Um, With cocktails, you kind of Mm want to put it in portrait mode if you're on an iPhone And if possible, you kind of want to have light shining through the cocktail. It's harder to get gorgeous photos of cocktails, like I mentioned, because you kind of want to be using a longer lens when you're shooting cocktails. But you can be really creative. Like You can get shots of people holding the cocktail, for instance, and try and have light shining through it. Um, For both food and cocktails, you really want to watch your background. You want to have clean backgrounds, so you don't want to have anything distracting in the background of either your cocktail or your food. Watch your plate, you know, clean up your plate, clean up whatever the plate is sitting on. And when you're shooting food, you can kind of try and set the scene a little bit. You can get a wine glass out. You can get, you know, maybe a pretty linen, a fork and a knife out. Kind of think about what story you're telling with the food as you're shooting it. But the number one thing is really just turn the flash off.
2: That is excellent. Wow, we I have really enjoyed our conversation, and yeah, this was awesome. You Thank you, on.
3: that was awesome. Thank you guys so much yeah. for having me. I really it was nice to uh, talk to humans today.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah, it was three dimensional and all the way. All right, gang. So good stuff. So remember on uh, June fourth at one o'clock, our party talks. Uh, by the executive team of Bacardi North America or Bacardi USA, Pete Carr, Ryan, and Heidi. That should be really, really exciting. Uh, of course, uh, Bacardi Teach is up and running. There's new modules being launched on a regular basis. So check back in, earn your badges, and of course, your certificate of completion coming through. All right, guys, that's that's good for me. Well, that's a great conversation. I love the little tips and tricks there, Libby. That's what counts. They love that stuff.
3: Hope it helps. Thank you, guys, so much for having yes. me. It was awesome. Thanks, Libby.
2: <laughs>